it got quiet. I was looking around. You mind doing our microphone? Thank you. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Hope you enjoyed this nice summer day. All right, we are going to wrap up Angels tonight, and I think Meg's planning to start her class back, the Ladybug class in the Fellowship Hall. So tonight will be sort of a, a summary and a time for questions. Uh, if we didn't answer a question, you still have a question you want to talk about? Um, we'll be glad to talk about that. Last week, we spent a little bit of time talking about Satan's fall. Um, we looked at Revelation 12, 7 through 12. Wanda pointed that scripture out, which talks about Satan being cast down, uh, cast out of heaven, hurled down. We looked at several other scriptures. Uh, we also looked at names for Satan. Satan, the devil, dragon, serpent, Beelzebub. Belial, Lucifer, evil one, tempter, God of the sage, ruler of the kingdom of the air, prince of this world. We looked also at a couple of scriptures, if you want to jot these down. Uh, one was Ezekiel 28, 11 through 19, which in the text, Ezekiel is writing a, a warning to the king of Tyre, and many Bible scholars believe that this Warning to the king of Tyre, which deals with his pride and arrogance, is a parallel passage which also is speaking to Satan and gives us a little historical insight. If you read Ezekiel 28, you'll find there's some things mentioned to the king of Tyre that would have been impossible for a man who was on this earth. So you have to, you have to kind of ask yourself, if this isn't the king of Tyre, then who could it possibly be? And so it fits with the devil uh, being an angel who was cast down out of heaven. And it appears that he might have actually been assigned as a guardian cherub over the Garden Eden. And it was at that time that he used his power, his authority, his proximity to Adam and Eve to actually tempt them and betray mankind by causing her to be involved in the first sin. We looked at Isaiah 14 as well, verse 12 through 14. We talked about dualism. So here's a little uh, review or quiz. Who could tell me what dualism? Does anybody remember? Dualism. All right. Yes, sir. Evil and good are equal forces, and that evil has coexisted with good from the beginning, meaning that evil in whatever form it takes must be part of God, because God is the only entity or being that we're aware of that is eternal. So if you, if you kind of go down that dualism path, you start getting into some difficult areas, for example, if God is only good, 
and God is love. Those are the Bible attributes assigned to God. And there is no deception or evil found in him. How could something that is a part of God be evil from the beginning? Does that make sense? And so dualism kind of throws a difficult curveball into our Christian belief system based on what the Bible teaches. There's other things about the devil that teaches he's very powerful, but he's not as powerful as God. He's not an equal power, equal and as ominous as God is good. So it raises a lot of very interesting questions, and I don't want to get into speculation about Satan, his origin, and his power, but I personally have a problem thinking that the devil has been around since God, right? And there's another difficulty for me is trying to comprehend eternity, that there is a being out there who has no origin. He has always been. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. So time means nothing to God. So dualism, in, in brief, is an equal and opposing force that has existed since God and is basically a part of God. That means the devil would have to be a God. One person asked me the question, well, if God is so powerful, why hasn't God destroyed the devil? That's a very interesting question, and I have no answer for that. I can't answer that question because I'm not God and can't comprehend the mind of God, but we know the devil exists and will be in existence until he's ultimately cast down and restrained eternally. Sean? Sean? Yeah, so like I was saying, the devil, I mean, I mean, God God has always been there, so the devil, I don't know. Basically, Sean, the only thing that makes sense to me, if you read Ezekiel chapter 28, is that the devil probably was one of the created angels that God made, right? Right, yeah. And if he was a created angel that God made, which Ezekiel 28 supports that idea, then you have to, you have to kind of make another assumption, and that is that angels have free will, that angels can choose to obey or disobey God because there was a revolt in heaven where Satan led uh, a group of angels who ultimately tried to overthrow God, and then there was a war in heaven. And so it makes sense to me to think that Satan was a created being, that he was a very beautiful, a very powerful angel who grew prideful, and as a result of his attempt to overthrow God, he was thrust down, cast down from heaven, and has existed here on the earth, but yet has the ability, because he's an angel, to travel in multi-universes, um, if you will, space and time. And he's in places I can't see. Um, he presented himself in the book of Job with other angels when they were standing before God, so he can travel across space and dimension. So, I don't know if that makes any sense. He's very, very, very powerful. Does that help you out? Yeah, I know. 
I had forgotten that he was an angel before, you know. Yeah, and that's uh, what most people believe, Sean. I thought it said in the Bible, didn't it? It said in the Bible, he, ca- he, he was, was cast down. Yeah, he was a beautiful. He was, yeah. And he must have been stunning to look at. Yeah, so... I'm sorry about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I wish I could have seen Lucifer. I wish I could have seen him when he was a beautiful, breathtakingly, you know, magnificent angel. And the Bible also says that he walked among the fiery stones. I don't know what that means, but I would have enjoyed seeing that. It would have been beautiful. So... He was so beautiful, in fact, I think he grew proud of himself. Right? Okay. Thoughts, comments, questions? Yes, sir. Microphone, please. Mr. Glenn? Yes, Rose, just a second. Just, just a second. Just a second. Hold on. Let's, let's say it, Glenn, and then we'll get you the microphone. Okay, all right. Uh, I've got to take exception to you, Tom. Okay, that's fine. I've never found Satan attractive in any way, shape, or form. Well, I think he was beautiful prior to his fall, and I'll tell you why. The Bible says he was. True enough, but so was Gabriel, and so was the other angels that chose God. Satan became ugly when he chose himself. Amen. As most people do. Amen. You know, I I see so. But I think we could agree that at one time he was he was beautiful. He was amazing. Go back and read Ezekiel twenty-eight. Yeah, he was. He was along with you. Were the model of perfection is what Ezekiel twenty-eight says. God's God's perfect own creation that turned on him. Yeah. Plus, it mentions that his dress he was adorned with. Uh, very precious gemstones with gold inlay. Mm-hmm. So he must have been... It, it almost sounds like God created precious metals and and jewels for the sole purpose of dressing Satan. If you, if you go back and read Ezekiel, you can kind of read it two ways, but it was almost like God invented these things to adorn his beautiful cherub. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I don't want to get so focused on, because one of the attributes of Satan was, is, still is, he's seductive. Yes. He seduces you. He can seduce you with things that are beautiful, things that are God's creation. He didn't create anything. God's created it all. But somehow, he, uh, in the mix of it all, he has been given some power of those supernatural powers that God created himself. All things came from God. They didn't from Satan. That's and right. Even, even the other angels, Michael and all the others you can name, mm-hmm. countless angels, God made them. They didn't make God. And God didn't operate by committee. They did his bidding. Mm-hmm. They, they were messengers. They were servants. They were all kinds of things. And that's what they were made for. Mm-hmm. And so... Is 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 I just almost shudder to think to elevate Satan to anything other than the evil person that wants to eat our souls and and burn our bodies for an eternity in hell. And if I allow him to get any more than that than of my attention, I'm off guard already. I think, well, man, boy, he must. Yeah, I bet he was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so is a lot of evil. Today. Well, the Bible tells us that even now he can still present himself as an angel of light. 
exactly. Yeah. You know, and God warns us cautionary constantly about don't be seduced by Satan's right. and his followers. Right. And, and that includes the ones here on earth mm-hmm. and the ones also still in the heavenly realms that we really can't understand. Yeah. Uh, I, I still have a hard time coming to grips with that. But I think you'd agree, isn't he a master at taking something ugly, sinful, wretched, uh, and and basically the smell of death and making it look he packages it very well and and where you have to have it, you know. The glitter well, you, and you could you could think though, going clear back to Adam and Eve, what lost them their eternal life, the garden. Uh, what lost it all? What caused them? They died for that. Right. That that sin. You ultimately boil it down. We die and they die. Now I don't know what God had in store for us if they hadn't done it. Because of His foreknowledge, we know that He planned on this all along. He said they're they're not going to do it, and He did it with the Jews. He He made them His chosen people. And they let Him down, and we let Him down. And finally, what was the final solution? Yep. His son had to come. For Amen. God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. Right. I think Rose has a comment, if you don't mind coming down here, Clint. Sorry about that, Rose. Yeah, Rose was going to share something with us. I know we uh, had discussed that angels didn't have wings. Well, no, we, we didn't say that. Oh, we didn't? Oh, okay. Right. Because seraph- seraphim... Because seraphim... Seraphim do have wings in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel's call, uh, he he records that that angels have wings. And you may recall that two angels that were over-arcing the uh, Ark of the Covenant, right? They had wings that were outstretched and touching. Angels could have had wings. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, seraphim, some had six, some had eight, depending on the biblical record. And the cherubs um, that were made to stretch out over the Ark of the Covenant back in the Old Testament, they actually had wings that were outstretched. They were sort of leaning forward and touching wings. Yeah, good question, though. Thank you. All right, um, Comments, questions, thoughts? Yes, Wanda. Yes. Job 1, verse 6. When you start with that, you'll see that God limited Satan in everything that he did. That's correct. With Job and whatever. So right. even he has the power to limit those things. Yeah, God, that's a, that's a really good point. If, if you buy into the concept of dualism, that is this power of evil and perhaps Satan is, an, is a being or entity that existed along with God, then that almost would make them equal. And, and so we see, we see in the book of Job, Satan wants access to Job. He said, you've had an impenetrable, impenetrable hedge around Job. Let me at him. Let, let me get at his, his physical help. Let me take the things away that, that are precious to him. So God limited, God limited. You may recall also that uh, Jesus, before he ascended back into heaven, he told Peter... Satan has asked permission to thresh you like wheat, meaning he had to go through God to get at certain people. So God's power clearly is greater than the satanic power. Um, 
the times that Jesus cast out all these these spirits, which were satanic. That's right. Satanic. I That's mean, right. he had the power to do all of those things. Right. Whereas they had no control. The demons feared the Lord, didn't yeah, they? They would beg. They trembled. Right. Yeah, when he cast out the demons from the from the man, uh, and they went into the pigs. You may recall that they they you know they asked permission. You know, at least let us go into the to the pigs. So here you have demonic forces that are asking permission from God Himself. Let us do this. Allow us to do this. Give us this request because. God ultimately has power over demonic forces. And, and to me, uh, we're going to be reading a scripture a little bit later that talks about um, why does God allow Satan to have power now? Why couldn't he just shut Satan down and, and make this life on earth a little easier? You know, we struggle. We, we have temptation. We have Satan who tempts us. And uh, it, it, would be, it would be easier if we didn't have those issues in the flesh. I look forward to the day where that's not the case on the other side. You know, the absence of all those evil things and say, Satan himself will be absent uh, in, in my eternal home. Sean? I think we would be bored if there was no Satan. Cause, I mean, maybe not. I mean, I don't know. You mean in heaven? Well, I know in heaven that'd be awesome, but on earth, yeah. If that, well, I guess I don't know. I guess I'm just saying. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so we've we basically talked in the last few weeks about the purpose of angels. We've talked about the power of angels. I was just reading the account of the Assyrian king who came and taunted. Hezekiah, you remember Hezekiah and his people, and, and he was talking, uh, the, the commander had been sent to uh, taunt the people, and he was speaking in Hebrew, and the people that were on the wall heard in their own language, and he was basically, it was a throwdown. He said, who is your God? You're, you know, who, who, which God has been able to withstand the Assyrian Empire? Nobody, nobody, and he, and he lists several um, kings who fell, and, and the gods of those particular empires that fell to the Assyrian Empire. But what was interesting is that very night, back in the Assyrian camp, do y'all recall what happened? Anybody know? A couple of people died? Yeah, a hundred and eighty-five thousand because the angel of the Lord <laughs> was sent out. He was dispatched among that camp. It says that the, it, they woke up and there were all the dead, dead bodies. 185,000 in one night. One angel. Wow. That's amazing. So it's kind of like, are they around today? Are they that powerful? Are they present and among us? I would think the answer is yes. But can we see them? Not necessarily. But God's presence is all around. I find that very encouraging. I find that exciting that God's power is present and among us. Yes, sir. A lot of times when there's battles, you know, in those battles, the people themselves killed each other. Yes. 
Yeah. But in this case, in this case, in that Assyrian camp, we're told the cause of death. It was an angel that was dispatched by the Lord and 185,000 Wasn't perished. Wasn't there a battle where God confused the warriors and they did turn on themselves? Yeah. There was, a, there was another account. Um, Gideon was one. Uh, there was another one where uh, a pagan army turned and, and started killing each other. I remember there, God's people looked out and they saw water and it looked like blood. It, a lot of interesting Old Testament references. But yeah, in this case, uh, in that particular night, I believe the death angel killed over 180,000. All right, we've, we've basically seen the different orders that angels were given, tasks that they were assigned. Uh, we also established that angels are creatures that have been given free will. And uh, I've had some interesting discussions about will free will continue to exist in heaven, you know, when we're up in heaven. Uh, we talked about angels' appearance, the fact that some do have wings, appears. Uh, and then we talked most recently about the fall of Satan and his fallen angels. We talked about Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 17, and how some of those descriptions that were included, while written to the king of Tyre, could not have possibly been the king of Tyre, because no earthly man was created, um, and no earthly man was up in the garden with the Lord, in the, in the Lord's mountain, holy mountain. All right, Sean? Yeah, I think there will be people in heaven, because I'm in the number devil, so... Why not have free will, you know? Yeah, interesting, interesting question. All right, let's go to First um, Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, if you got your Bible handy. Yeah, I'll just hold up your hand if you have a question. First Timothy 3, 6, we've got several quest- um, passages I want to refer to to kind of wind up our, our lesson tonight. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we see qualifications for elders. One of those qualifications for a man that's going to be an overseer or a shepherd is that he is... Um, 1 Timothy 3, drop down to verse 6. He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit. So does that sound like pride? pride or arrogance, somebody that's really proud of themselves. And it says that they would fall into the condemnation of the devil. So there's a pretty clear indication of what was the devil's problem is he became prideful, he became arrogant, he became full of himself thinking that he could make a run for God's throne and overthrow God himself. I'm so beautiful, I'm so intelligent, I'm so cunning, uh, I, I, could, I could do this, and I can convince other people to overtake God's throne as well. So there was literally a war in heaven. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 4 is another passage I wanted to refer to. Second Peter 2, 4. This is interesting because it says that God, if you read the beginning of Second Peter chapter 2, it talks about false prophets, that their condemnation is coming upon them, they're bringing swift destruction, um, and that God knows how to punish these evil and false teachers. Look at verse 4. 
Then he uses the logic, if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah, herald of righteousness. So basically, uh, it talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, If he rescued righteous Lot, it says basically God knows how to deliver us from trials. So the angels are used as one of those examples. Now, this appears to be referring to the angels that Satan... Uh, was able to persuade to overthrow God. They were caught up in the rebellion as well when this uh, rebellion took place. Finally, uh, let's go over to Jude, next to the last chapter of the Bible. And when you open up Jude, which is just one chapter, look at verse 6. Verse 6 says of Jude, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. I thought this was an interesting point I wanted to share with you. I was reading a chapter on Satan's rebellion, um, and he used the example of a, a preschool for little children. You see, those of you that are parents and have young children, you drop off children and you entrust those who are employees of the preschool or daycare to be responsible to protect your children and return them in unharmed condition. Is that a fair assumption? You think so? Yeah. If, if it was anything else, you wouldn't take your children to that particular school, preschool, daycare, whatever you call it. So there's a great deal of trust on occasions, on occasions, we'll hear a really sad story about someone in a preschool that has been irresponsible or maybe even evil toward little children and maybe have, have been abusive or, you know, I don't want to get too, too dark, but it happens where that trust is betrayed, right? And imagine how the parent feels when they learn my child is now a victim of this institution that I trusted these people. So a a very strong sense of betrayal. It was interesting that if you go back to the garden, there's a good chance that Satan was established as a cherub over the Garden of Eden. You see, cherubs, if you study their job description, they're guardians. They're guardians. They oversee and protect. So it appears that God may have said, Satan, I want you to uh, guard the garden and protect the people down there, Adam and Eve that I've created. And then while he was down there, what did he do? He betrayed God's trust and misled Eve, consequently misled Adam. He appealed to their pride, to their vanity, and they sinned. So it was almost like God was angry that Satan had... Um, betrayed his own trust of of his created children. Interesting thought. He trusted Satan to guard his children. Satan abused that trust. So we've been struggling ever since the fall of mankind. Give us some consequences or examples of man's fall. Anybody? Yes, sir. Yeah, there's there's a big one at the top, right? You will not live forever because sin has entered the world you will you will die. All right, Stacy. I thought it was interesting where you 
talked about Satan as being a guardian cherub. In some ways, if you use Ephesians 5, uh, where God, uh, to define man's role, yes. man, man was uh, the woman's guardian cherub. That's true. The word was given to him mm-hmm. about what to do and what not to do. Yes. And, um, you know, the, the woman was tempted and deceived, but I don't think Adam was because um, his job was to intervene. He had the word of the Father given to him, and he was there with her and stood there silently doing nothing. And, and that, that's talked about in Ephesians 5 where he did not... Uh, lay down his life like Christ laid down his for the church. Well, it doesn't explicitly refer to Adam in Ephesians 5. Well, he talks about, in Ephesians 5, it talk, yeah, it's true, but it talks about what a husband's role is. Correct. And of course, and that, was, that was Adam's role. And I think that's also why uh, it was said that sin entered the world through Adam, because before Eve took hold of the apple... Adam sinned first by not intervening when he had the chance. Yeah, there's an assumption that you're making, uh, which I can't prove or disprove according to Scripture, and that is that he was present during that initial conversation. All right? So go back and read the text, and I'll read the text, but see if, if he was present in that conversation when Satan approached Eve. Right? So uh, just... Something we may want to research. All right, let's continue. Um, I have a passage here that I wanted to share. 1 John 5, verse 19. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. I want to talk about that tonight. What does that mean? We know that we are from God... And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. What do you think that means? The whole world? Okay. So, does that mean that Satan controls the world? Or Okay. All right. Anybody... Yeah, Wanda said basically her her thinking is since Satan was cast down, it's kind of like this is his do- domain. Yeah, anybody? Any other thoughts? Is Satan in charge of the world? Yeah, he's prince of this world. He is the prince of the world. That's a that's a term that the Bible uses. You are correct. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Well, we get back into the dualism argument. If we don't buy into dualism, then we acknowledge that God is the supreme power. Satan is, is a subset of that power. He was created powerful, but he's not as powerful as God. So what does it mean? Did, yeah, did you have a... Just a second. Dennis had a, Dennis had a comment. No, I think you just told it, but I, what, what I got at it is... Uh, Satan is more powerful than we are. Yes. And we have to trust in our God to defend us. And his word will defend us. But we have a choice to make. But without God, we're, we're, uh, we're helpless. Amen. So, well, I think, I think what I'm reading here in 1 John 5, 
We know that we're from God. Yes, God made us. Uh, God created the whole universe. We're his creation. The whole world, however, lies in the power of the evil one. I'm wondering if the reference, and I'd have to look at the Greek, but maybe world is talking about the physical earth and mankind that is on the earth. And we know that we live in a fallen world. We know that after the sin of Adam and Eve, there's been a, a, an effect of sin uh, that, that, that affects every human being. Death, as you pointed out. What are some other effects of living in a fallen world? We see, we see a pervasiveness of, of sin, immoral behavior, right? Greed. Um, not caring for our our neighbor, being self-centered, selfish. Yes, Wanda. New King James. Uh huh. Of God. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. That doesn't say he's in control. That says he's under the sway. We're under the sway. Oh, the sway. The sway of the evil. That's a very interesting translation. I appreciate that. The sway of the evil one. His influence and his power, his ability to corrupt everything that's on this earth. And it seems consistent, Wanda, with everything that I read. When, when Jesus talks about this world, he says it's passing away. My kingdom, he, he said, is not of this world. If it, if it were, if my kingdom were of this world, then basically all of my followers would be fighting to preserve me. But he said, I'm, I'm going to be dying. I'm dying for a reason, dying for a purpose, and it's for a kingdom that is not of this world. So maybe when we hear the word world, we can equate that with that which is corrupt, that which is fallen, that which is decaying, that which will cease to be when the Lord returns and all of the elements will be burned up. Anything physical will be gone, including our bodies. Interesting. So Satan is the prince of the power of this world. He's extremely powerful, extremely effective in his ability to corrupt and turn hearts toward him. But if we are led by the Spirit, if we have the fruits of the Spirit, if we put on the Christian armor that we're instructed to put on, then we're prepared to do battle with Satan. And Spirit always wins over flesh. Always. Yes, Jeannie. Yes, ma'am. After 40 days in, in the wilderness, you know, the, the devil tempted him, and even uh, he even promised him that yes. if he would bow down right. um, to him, he took him to the high pinnacle, and he said, I will give you all of these cities of the, of the kingdoms of the world. You know, I, and I've always wondered about that, Jeannie. Where did he take him? Now, we know that at one point he took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and said, jump off, because the scripture says that, you know, you won't be harmed. Uh, but the, the prior temptation says it, he took him to a high place. I'm wondering if he went up in, like, outer space or something. Showed him, you know, where did he, where did he stand on this high 
pinnacle, wherever that was, and showed him, as far as the eye could see, the kingdoms of the world. These belong to me, he said, and I have the authority, the power to give them to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. Wow. Look at everything that Satan says. They're bald-faced lies. Mm-hmm. He lies from the get-go. Mm-hmm. That's, his, that's his tools of the trade. He, he makes things up. He twists things. He tells half-truths, whole-truths, out-and-out bald-faced truths. He's a liar. Mm-hmm. And why we would even buy one scintilla of Satan's conversation. He's, he, he's, a, he's a seducer. He's a persuader. He'll, yep. he'll do anything. Look what he told Eve. He said, if you do this, says, you're going to be just like God is. You're going to know everything he does. You're going to do, yeah, you're going to know, you're going to know, you're going to die. Uh, so there's always penalties. There's always promises and there's always penalties. With God, there's promises and there's rewards if we follow him. You know, uh, Stacy was saying something to me after class last week, and I really appreciated the point. And he took me to Revelation, and he was talking about uh, the great dragon uh, and the beast, two different entities. But it appears, you may want to help me out here, Stacy. It, it appears that certain kingdoms or rulers of this world had basically turned over their power to the control of, of Satan, the serpent, the great dragon, and that they were receiving certain benefits um, of, of their allegiance to the devil, but it was an extremely corrupt kingdom and empire. Very interesting reference in Revelation. And we see, we see kingdoms that do that today that are corrupt and evil and powerful um, and, and, well... Wow, I, I hate to get political, but we've got a dictator in Russia who's leading a country down a very immoral path and killing thousands of innocent women and children. Why? Because he wants to. He has the power. That's scary. What do you think would happen if uh, if uh Jesus bowed down and worshiped Satan. What do you think? What kind of power would Satan have? Yeah, I I don't know. I can't answer that. Sean's question was, what do do we think would happen if Jesus said, okay, I'll bow down and worship you? I don't know. The Godhead 3 would have been broken. Yeah, that means Jesus would have sinned and he couldn't have been my Savior. Yeah. I'm, I'm thankful he didn't do that, Sean. He was tempted. I mean, he was led into the wilderness for the sole reason of being tempted. So he was tempted to do it, but he didn't do it. He was tempted in every way, Hebrew says, but without sin. Yes, sir. Stacy. Um, back, uh, back when I was teaching, I, had, I, I knew someone who was a... Uh, World War II POW survivor. Yes, sir. And he wrote a book. Um, I'd like to. St- I had a. I, I got a whole box of them, and I gave them to my students. But it was his test. It was basically his story of uh, being in the uh, concentration camps in wow. Germany. Yeah. Uh, an absolutely it's, it would, uh, jaw-dropping story. Um, 
But one of the things that I think about when I think about what I've read about that, including his own story and what I see now, is that, you know, the Nazis were trying to force death on them by every mistreatment and torture imaginable. But they didn't want to die, and they held on with their free will to both life and hope, despite the—it was, it was like an uncrushable spirit. They didn't give up. Even if they were killed, they didn't want to die. And now I see in the streets people injecting themselves and destroying themselves with their own free will. Mm-hmm. You know, I see people f- with their with destroying themselves, not being forced on them. So when I hear what you talk about with uh, Satan having sway over the world, is that d- people aren't defeated by outside sources. They're defeated within if they get talked into, deceived into destroying themselves. In other words, right. the free will has to be... People have to destroy themselves with their own free will for it to count as destruction. If if an outside force just crushes them, it doesn't crush their spirit, it only crushes their body, that, was not, that doesn't count as destruction. Because we all lose our body. Nobody gets to keep it. Mm-hmm. But if by mm-hmm. our own free will we we destroy ourselves, I think that's truly... When someone's lost. Amen. Yeah. Great point. Uh, I wanted to read very quickly Ephesians 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, Satan, he's the prince of the power of this world, but also has power in in those cosmic places we can't see, heavenly places, Uh, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So we're told to take up the whole armor of God. And then if you'll drop back to Ephesians 2, go back to Ephesians 2, verse 2, he talks about people who once were worldly, they were dead in their trespasses, and once you once walked, following the course of this world, um, Wanda, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body. So he's so powerful. He's so powerful. And, and I'm encouraged that I'm promised the indwelling of God's spirit, when I become a Christian, I'm told that he will aid me. If I will yield up my flesh and be controlled by the Spirit, then I have the secret weapon to overcome Satan. Amen. Yeah, we're led by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Those who are led by the flesh are sons of the devil. So, man, so much of the world is already under his control. Scary. Yes, sir. Um, This... Scripture has always troubled me because I've heard it used and misused in the church, in Christendom, as they call it, uh, by numbers people. I've heard it used by Satanists. Uh, but it's here, and it's in God's Word. So he put it in there. Yes. John wrote it in there. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to read it. And if anybody has any wisdom, I'd sure appreciate it because it still troubles me. And it goes in Revelation 13, if you'd like to turn there. Verses 18. 
Revelation 13, verse 18. Verse 18. Okay. Here is wisdom. This is from the uh, uh, a modern version, but it's New King James. Follow your Bible, whatever you got. It'll say the same thing. Here is wisdom. The one who has understanding must calculate the number of the beast because it is the number of a man. Mm-hmm. His number is six, six, six. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this talked forever about from everyone, and I've never heard an answer yet that satisfied me or that I said, oh, there it is. Yeah. But yet, he wrote, God put this in here for us. And I, I will continue the rest of my life to seek out that answer to that. Right. But right. if I don't get it, I have the overriding assurance from God that I will know, we will know as, as he knows us. You remember Eldridge's book we did on Revelation? There's right. an appendix in the back that yeah. deals with that. I don't know. If, pardon? That's as close as yeah, I, I, I thought he did a pretty good job at explaining that. But, yeah, it's one of those things we'll always scratch our heads. Yes, sir. I think uh, this is just my speculation. What I think that number is referring to is uh, sort of this biblical notion that six is the number of sin. Mm-hmm. And we get that because seven is representative of perfection. Holiness. Any, mm-hmm. Anytime you see the number seven in the Bible, it means perfect. Right. complete, yes. outstanding, uh-huh. and one less than that right. is not. It falls short, doesn't it? And so when you put mm-hmm. six three times in a row, that's basically just tripling down on the fact that yeah. this is imperfect, imperfect, imperfect. Right. And I, I don't think it really means any more than that. Yeah. Yeah, Revelation is one of those books where we can certainly get lost in a, in a myriad of wild theories and ideas Well, we're almost out of time. I did want to read one more passage as we bring our class to a close. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, and I wanted to end on a positive note. And I know discussing Satan can be a little bit of a downer. You have song tonight? Good. Did you find somebody to pray? Okay. Will? Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, let's read 24 through 27. I really appreciate everyone's discussion on, on... There's so many questions that I have that I can't answer about uh, angels and, and fallen angels, but I'm so excited to know that God is victorious. Beginning in verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 15, then comes the end. This is the end of time. This is the battle. This is when Christ returns. The trumpet sounds. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For, this is in reference to Jesus, verse 25, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. All right, let's stop there. Are all of his enemies under his feet now? The answer is no. They are not. He must reign until, future tense, all of his enemies are under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. 
But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is expected who put all things in subjection under him. So basically, the son has been given all authority, but there is one remaining enemy that is not yet under his feet. This is a, a Jewish symbol of conquering someone. A lot of times they would stand on the neck or put their foot up on someone indicating they're, they're victorious. Satan will not be ultimately overthrown eternally and completely until Christ returns. That means that we'll continue to fight him. And I'm thankful that we have a secret weapon. We have God living in us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God's word. We have the, the um, Christian armor to fight and be victorious. And it can be done with God's help. And we're thankful that uh, we have angels who are ministering servants to help us and minister and reach out to us as well. Hope you've enjoyed the study. We're going to start next Wednesday night, Lord willing, uh, with a study on parables. Parables. We'll probably spend quite a bit of time in the book of Luke, but uh, look forward to a study of parables. And uh, thank you again for your time and comments and everyone's interest. 596 is our invitation song, 596. I wanted to talk for just a moment about records. Anybody hear the word record mentioned today? Yeah, we broke a record, didn't we? Yeah. Nashville officially reached a temperature of 100 degrees. It broke a record that went all the way back to 1985, almost 40 years. You see, meteorologists, they like records. They keep records of everything, rainfall, heat, cold, you know, all those kinds of stuff, hurricane forces, tornadoes, all kinds of meteorological records. But they're not the only ones that keep records. The Lord keeps records as well. Did you know the Bible says that when we are standing before the Lord, that we will give an account? Everything that we have done, good or evil, has been recorded. Do you know that? God knows. God is particularly pleased when we do good things in secret. When we make those prayers to him in secret. We don't do things for the record in front of men. We do things to honor and please God. God is the ultimate record keeper, and he won't get it wrong. So we're going to sing an invitation song. We'll invite you who's at the door standing. I want you to think about your life, reflect on your life. Ask yourself, how am I doing? Am I ready? Am I ready to meet the Lord? Have I done the things that are pleasing to him? Because he knows, he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, if we belong to him and if we've served him and been faithful. So let's stand and sing if we need to uh, encourage you to come. We invite you to come while we stand.
Thank you for being here tonight. We appreciate your presence. Just some quick announcements. We did get word that Ann Robinson got through her surgery fine. They were able to successfully work on that small bowel. So she's recovering at Centennial. Keep her in prayer. And understand Will has got our prayers tonight, so he'll include Miss Ann. Uh, Pat Warren's nephew-in-law, Gary Wilson, he passed away yesterday. And uh, keep that family in prayer. I understand he used to own a pharmacy in Pleasant View. Tonight, uh, we did conclude our study on angels, so the ladies' class, all the ladybugs are going to go back into their class. We'll miss you, ladies. It's been nice having you here, and and, uh, hope you enjoy your class, but we'll miss having you in here. So they'll reconvene in the fellowship hall next week. Ladies' Sewing Group meets tomorrow at 1230. Uh, There's a ladies' day at Trenton Crossing. That's the Saturday from 9 until noon. There's lunch provided. There is a sign-up sheet, and you do need to sign tonight if you're going to go. Bible Bow Practice coming up at 4 on Sunday. There's a fellowship meal after evening services Sunday. Uh, Please plan to attend and enjoy a meal with us. Uh, So that's this coming Sunday night. The Ladies' Devo is coming up Tuesday, September 27. That'll be at 6.30 at Shannon Garrett's house. Uh, They're gathering items for the prison ministry. We do support Tennessee Prison Outreach Ministry. So uh, look at that list of items. And there is a list posted in the caring corner in the foyer. Ladies' Sewing Group needs gently used T-shirts, size large, 2X or 3X. They need those T-shirts in the laundry basket in the carrying corner, also in the foyer. What's our count tonight? Nine-nine. Okay. So close. All right. Any other family news, announcements, information, prayer requests? Anybody? Yes.
Oh. Yeah, a lot of sadness in that family right now. Did you get that? Well, okay. Also, John Trauber, this is Darlene's brother. Uh, he had a CT scan. They're just checking to see if the cancer treatments have been successful. So we want to keep uh, John Trauber. And I'll leave this card up here for you. He's on the card right here. But uh, Dar- Darlene Johnson's brother, we've mentioned John him before in, uh, in his cancer recovery. Any other announcements, prayer requests? All right, if there's not, we'll uh, ask Will to come up and dismiss us in a closing prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for another opportunity to come together to worship you and to learn more about your word. We pray, Lord, for some of the people of our congregation and people that we know who have been dealing with the ailments of this world. We pray for the family of Pat Warren, uh, whose nephew passed away. We also pray for the family of Ricky Moss and all that they're going through right now. We pray that you give them comfort uh, in this time of loss. We also pray for Don Trauber and that his uh, cancer test and the results for those will be uh, satisfactory. Uh, we also are rejoicing that Ann Robinson had a good surgery, and we're thankful for that. We pray, Lord, that you'll be with us until the next time we meet, and in between, help us to focus on you all the way through. In Jesus' name, amen.